Morning, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off on the top of page 79a. So he's, the question was, it says in the Mishnah, we learned yesterday in the Mishnah that if the part of the sacrifice, the pace of sacrifice, the part that's burnt on the altar became contaminated, but the part that's eaten is still pure, then you can sprinkle the blood because the whole purpose of the Paschal lamb is to be eaten. So the main event is still, is still relevant. But if the... But if the, um, if the part that's eaten became contaminated, although the part that's burnt on the altar is, not, is pure, nevertheless, you don't sprinkle the blood because the whole purpose of the sacrifice is to be eaten. So if it can't be eaten, then it's an invalid sacrifice. So Rav Gidl said in the name of Rav, but after the fact, what if he went ahead and he did sprinkle it? Then, then it's accepted and he, he fulfills his biblical obligation and he doesn't have to bring a second Pesach. And the question was, but what do you mean? The whole purpose of the how could Rav say that even after the fact it's okay? The whole purpose of the Paschal Lamb is you should eat it, have a Seder. If you can't eat it, then what's the point? So therefore, it should be invalid, and he shouldn't have to bring a second Pesach. So you boys say, uh, say, first he gave an answer that he follows the opinion of Rav Nassim. Now he's giving a different answer on top of the page, 79. Hey, boys say, if you want to answer, you Rav Dhamma, Rabbi Yeshua. Rav follows the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua says, All the sacrifices in the Torah. Whether the meat is still intact, I mean, the meat became impure, but the chalev, the fat, and the part that's offered on the altar is, is still here. Or or the fat is impure, or but the meat that's eaten is still present. Either of these two cases, you can sprinkle the blood. Even though the food, the part that's edible is impure, it doesn't matter. It's not essential. What's essential is the sacrifice. And as long as you have some meat or some part of the animal that's still, that's still present, you can go ahead and sprinkle the blood. The exception is Nazir va'oisa Pesach. The case of a Nazirite who has to bring a sacrifice, and when he's done with his, uh, with his uh, Nazirus, when he's done with his, um, you know, he swore, he let it, that's, came a Nazir, he has to let his hair grow. Yeah. So when he's done, then you take the hair and you, boil, and you have to cook it, put it under the pot, and you have to lift up the part of the um, the the, the uh, arm. You have to lift up the uh, lift it up. The kain has to lift it up. And oisa pesach. When you bring a carbon pesach there, it's the food that matters, the eating that matters. So therefore, those two cases. What does chaylev mean? Chaylev is fat. The parts the parts that's, that's burnt on the altar. Right. So so the the if the as long as the meat is still present the meat that's eaten, even though the part that's offered on the altar is impure, yeah. you can still bring the sacrifice, you can still sprinkle the blood, but if the meat is impure, even though the chayl of the fat is still present, the part that you're going to offer on the altar is still present, because here it's essential, the food is essential. But the Imzadak, if you went ahead and did it anyway, without permission, then it's, Hashem accepts it. It's acceptable. So we see clearly that's that's what he says that the Rav follows Rabbi Yeshua. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. That when it says in the Mishnah that 
you're not allowed to sprinkle the blood. It's only initially, but after the fact, it's okay. But if need but if the owners became impure, disqualified, not the meat became impure, the owner became impure, then like we said, even Rav agrees, it says in the Pazuk, we compare, even Abnasan agrees, it says in the Pazuk, and here also Rabbi Yeshua says clearly, it says in the Pazuk, we compare to offering a sacrifice, a Paschal lamb, offering it to those who are not designated. Mm-hmm. So the Torah teaches us, says twice, teaches us that uh, even after the fact it's no good, it's invalid. And you have to bring another Pesach and the second Pesach. So too, the same is if the person is impure, if a person can't eat it because he's disqualified, not that the meat is disqualified. When the person is disqualified but the meat is disqualified, well, then we say don't sprinkle the blood, but after the fact it's okay. But if the person is disqualified, and even after the fact, it's not okay. Okay. Then he, the Mishnah quotes the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, by other sacrifices, it's not the same. By other sacrifices, the food doesn't matter. The edible part doesn't matter. Any part of the sacrifice that's still present, you can go ahead and sprinkle the blood, whether it's the part that you eat that you're going to eat, or whether it's the part you're going to offer in the altar. All the sacrifice from the Torah, if you have a, left, a little, little left over, let's say everything is gone, disappeared, burned, but all you have left over is one olive, olive size amount of flesh or meat or olive size amount of the chalev, the fat that you can offer on the altar. You can go ahead and sprinkle the blood because there is a sacrifice that's still there. But what if you have a half an olive amount of the meat, the edible meat, yeah. and a half of an olive amount, the part you can offer in the altar? Then I cannot go ahead and sprinkle the blood because the two halves do not come together. Because one half I'm going to offer in the altar and the other half, uh, other half is going to be eaten. Right. So I can't bring the two together. They're separate. I have to have a kezayis of one of them. A full kezayis of one of them. A but a burnt offering. The exception is the case of a burnt offering. That there, even if I have a half a half a olive amount of the meat and a half olive amount of the fat, it they do come together. Why? They should call a color because a burnt offering nobody eats. There's no edible part. It's entirely, the entire animal is burnt except for the skin. The entire animal is burnt on the altar. So therefore I can combine the two, the half of the fat and the half of the meat. Ube mincha. Yeah. In the case of a flower. Let's say there's no meat left but the full flower is intact. Yeah. That that I still can't sprinkle the blood. Like what a mincha ma'avidah. Yeah, like a mincha mincha ma'avidah. What what do you what are you bringing mincha here all of a sudden? Who's talking about mincha? We're talking about sacrifice. Yeah. Amar Papa, no minchas nesachim. Every sacrifice is accompanied with an accompanying mincha, with flour and a wine libation and, and, and the oil. The oil, the oil is mixed. Right, the oil is mixed with the flour. No, we're not talking about every sacrifice. Every sacrifice is mixed is mixed with the flour. So he says. That, so we're talking. We're saying that even though I would think I would think since the the accompanying flour offering. 
accompanies the, the uh, sacrifice, so it's like an extension of the sacrifice. So even though there's nothing left of the sacrifice, there isn't even a kazayas, there isn't even an olive amount left of the meat or of the fat, but as, who cares? I still have the mincha, the mincha, is, so it's as if the sacrifice is still present, so I can go ahead and sprinkle the blood. So Kamash, well, that's what he comes to tell us, no, I need a part of the sacrifice itself. It's not enough, the, the mincha. Yeah. Wait a second, the poor person, poor person, it doesn't apply here? No, 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 no nothing to do. Every sacrifice, every, nothing to do with that. Every sacrifice comes along with it. How do we know that if the chaylev exists, you can still sprinkle the blood? If the fat exists, you can still sprinkle the blood. The Pasuk says, that you should burn the fat for pleasing aroma to Hashem. And there, it's there. The pasuk is talking about sprinkling the blood. It says the the kain will sprinkle the blood, and then as long as this fat, as long as there's something left of the carbon that's left, that you can offer it on the altar. I can go ahead and sprinkle the blood. Okay, so I know chaylev. It says in the pasuk chaylev, the fat. What about the seres hakavit, the diaphragm, which take place in the two kidneys that also have to be burnt in the altar? Where do I know that even if all that's left, there's no, there's no fat left, there's no edible meat left. All that's left is the diaphragm and the two kidneys. How do we know that that's enough to allow me to sprinkle the blood? How do we know that you can sprinkle the blood? Who told? Maybe not. How do you know that you actually sprinkle the blood? Maybe the Mishnah says fat. No one ever said. No one ever said the seventy-nine a, second line of the fat lines. No one ever said. Um, no one ever said. Yeah, the next page. No one ever said. Um, uh, the diaphragm and the two kidneys. He, he said specifically the fat. Right. So he says because I can derive that since he learned a bemincha. Since he says that, in the, that if the mincha, even though the entire mincha, the entire flour offering is still uh, intact, nevertheless he can sprinkles from there. I can deduce mincha the light. As lo- even if there's, if there's an entire mincha, so that, that doesn't help me to allow me to sprinkle. But if, if there's nothing left, but the diaphragm is still intact and the two kidneys are still intact, then I could sprinkle. So we know, and how do we know that? So Rabbi himself says, Pasuk says, you should offer the chaylev for a satisfying aroma. Anything that you bring, any part that you offer on the altar is satisfying. So that includes the diaphragm and the two kidneys. Sounds good. Why do I need both? Why does the Torah have to teach me fat and why can't I learn one from the other? Because if Torah would only say fat, the diaphragm to kidneys, no, not why. If a Torah would only tell me 
I would say, why do I need chalev? Just say reach nichoyach. So any part that right. that brings an aroma, pleasing aroma right. to Hashem, anything that's offered on the altar is okay. Because if he told me reach nichoyach, I would say it also includes the the, the, the flour, because I'm also flour, taking right? the the yeah, fistful yeah. and offering it on the fire right, on the altar. So between the two of them, I know to exclude the flower offering. Yeah. It's only only the animal part. Yeah. Any part of the animal is offering. Okay. Yeah. Next mission is if the congregation became impure, or the, the entire congregation, even the majority of the congregation, more the Israelim were pure, but the Kainim were all impure, or the majority of the Kainim and the congregation is pure. What do you do? You do the carbon Pesach in the state of impurity. It overrides impurity. What if if only minority of the congregation became uh, impure? So those who are pure, which is the majority, they offer the Paschal Lamb on the first on the first Pesach. At Mayan and the impure Isen Sasheni, they they do it in the second place. Doctor Gimara Tanner Abana, we learned the Brajarish Adisha, he's all to me, Makano Kashara Stadium, if the Jewish people, the congregation, were impure, but the Kainim and the vessels were pure. Or the Jewish people were pure, but the Kainim and the or the Kleshadis, the vessels that you need. That the Kainim use were impure. Even if the Israel, Israel and the Kainim are pure. The only one that's impure is the Kleshadist Mayim. The, the utensils were impure. In all these three cases, you do the carbon Pesach in a state of impurity. Why? You don't differentiate. You don't do half and half. You know, let those who are pure do pure, and those who are impure, impure. No, no, no. Yeah, it's, it's unity. Everyone is impure. We're doing everyone in a state of impurity. He qualifies this. When did we learn this? Which utensils are we talking about? Only the knife. And the knife became impure. The knife which we slaughter with. Don't forget, remember one year that a million two hundred thousand animals. So so the knives became impure. But what kind of impurity? Only tummy mace. If they came in contact with a corpse, a corpse impurity. The Rahman, says that if you that if you kill someone with a knife, what do I care how you kill someone? Uh-huh. So the Taylor comes to teach me that the knife, the metal is like has the same status as the corpse. Mm. So therefore, the knife that came in contact with the corpse becomes like the corpse, mm-hmm. becomes becomes a, a source of impurity. Yeah. So therefore, he will make the koyan impure. Now the koyan is holding the knife. It's like the koyan is touching touching a dead body. Mm-hmm. So he becomes impure. He becomes a, a, a source of impurity. So the 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 So the mekarik yimisabed, but tumas aguf the karik yimisabed. So now, pesach offering is made. It's made by people in the state of a body tum, and that's karis. The sword becomes. The sword becomes like the like the corpse itself, like the corpse itself. 
So it's a primary source of tumor. It's the Avi Avaisa Tum. It's the, it's, yeah, the right. grandfather of Tum. Right, right. And therefore, the person who touches it is an right. Avatum. Right, Avatum. Oh, okay. And therefore, an Avatum that goes into the temple, you lose your life. Hmm. Right. Seven days. You don't have seven days. It's out of Pesach. Oh wait, we just. You need seven days of purity with the red heifer and uh, you know the whole thing, the, the whole uh, whole seven yards. So, um, so therefore, so therefore, so so the so the who are doing the service. In a, they're in a state of impurity. They're touching the sword. They become avatum, and they're not allowed into the temple. And if you're in the temple when you cut it, you get karis. So it overrides. So therefore, the mitzvah of Pesach overrides the state of impurity. Wow. So you have to make the majority. The majority have to become have to become impure. So when the majority become impure, then it's like a state of the community is impure. This community is impure, and the Torah says it overrides the prohibition of, of impurity. But what if this, the knife, on the bottom of 79a, what if the knife becomes impure with a lesser impurity? To Meshedes, it touched a dead mouse, a dead rat. Then the knife could only contaminate the Pesach. It contaminates the Pesach lamb or the Pesach sheep. But it does not, or the goat, but it doesn't contaminate the person, doesn't contaminate the koye. In that case, better then only allow the koye more pure. Let them do the service. Not the ones who are impure. It's mayim le'avet. Why? Because mutav yechel b'tumas baser belav. So yes, then the entire Jewish people, if all the knives are impure like that, they they touch the dead mouse or dead rat. Fine. So all the meat is going to be impure. So all the Jewish people are going to be eating carbon uh, pesach that's impure. But that's only a prohibition to eat sacred meat that became impure. That's only a prohibition. But there's no curse. There's no death penalty. Better than having the koyanim, better than having having the koyanim who are impure doing the service. Because if the koyanim are impure doing the service, they lose their life and they're not to go into the temple. So let them stay outside the temple. Let only the minority of koyanim who are impure, who are pure, let them go into the temple. Let, let them do all the service, and the entire Jewish people will be eating all their paschal lambs that are impure. The paschal lambs are impure, but the people are pure. He said, uh, uh, Yeah. If everyone is Tommy, the Torah says you're allowed, but here he says we have an option. Here you have an option. Since it only the knife is only contaminated by touching a dead mice, a dead rat, a dead mouse, so yeah, therefore, it's primary source of so tumor, the, not the tumor. Yeah, it's only so it's a tulda, it's, it's an right. offshoot of tumor, it's a yeah, child yeah. of tumor, and the, therefore only only the foods become tummy, not the person. Right. So the kainim who are doing the slaughtering don't become tamei. So let the kainim who are pure do the slaughtering, and 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 therefore they don't become impure. So they're not violating anything by being in the temple, but don't allow the kainim who are impure or in a state of impurity or not allowed into the temple. Don't don't give them permission to go into the temple.
Rather, let the Kainim are pure. They have a right to be in the temple. And yes, since the knives are impure, all the meat, all the seders, all the meat is going to be impure. And yes, you are violating something. You're violating because you're not allowed to eat sacred meat, which is impure. But that's only a prohibition. Better only violate the prohibition rather than have the Kainim or impure step into the temple. Uh-huh. Or the people who are impure step into the temple. Well, what's the Hebrew word for prohibition? Asu. Asu. He says love. He says there it's an Isalav. Lav means a prohibition. Lav, don't do oh, so. Alma, we seek that he holds that Tum is only pushed off. Not when we say it overrides, it's not suddenly that impurity doesn't matter. Impurity matters, but it's like an emergency situation, so we, it overrides, we say, you know, overrides. No, you don't get cards. The title gives you permission. But it oh, overrides it, it overrides it, so therefore you try to minimize it. So if we have an option, you minimize it. If you have no option, if it came in contact with the corpse, you have no option. Mm-hmm. Even the Kainim or impure could also go inside the temple and do the service. Even if the knives only became Tameh by touching a dead mouse or dead rat. Mm-hmm. Why? My time. He agrees with the principle that so why don't you try to minimize it? What gives you a right? How do we know that the title allowed you? Gives you a right to override the prohibition of Kardis, of losing your life? Have a Kayan who's not pure inside the temple? Why? We have options. Because it says, because it says, meat, sacred meat, that touches anything that's impure, there's a prohibition. Don't eat it. You're not allowed to eat it. The HG said you have to burn it. Right. And the meat, which is pure, you should eat. And the meat, only someone who's pure could eat the, the sacred meat. <laughs> so, so it's like very, very wordy. So he learns. Whenever you can't read, you can't fulfill the first half of the Pasuk that, that says that the sacred meat, which is impure, you're not allowed to eat. For example, our case, since the carbon Pesach, everyone is going to be eating the meat, which is the meat which is impure, even though there's a prohibition that says that within the sacred meat is impure, you're not allowed to eat from it, but in this case, you are allowed to, it overrides it. Uh-huh. So in this case, that mitzvah, that only someone who's pure should eat the meat, doesn't apply. Only when the first half of the Pasuk applies that there's a prohibition, you're not allowed to eat the sacred meat that's impure, then you say, that only the pure should eat the meat and not the tummy. Uh-huh. Oh, well, I'm sorry, sorry. So we're not talking about the kainim or impure to go into the temple. No, that, that, that they have no right. That's Yisakaris. We're talking about, Rav Chizda argues that those who are impure are then are not allowed to bring the carbon Pesach. Those who are impure can't bring a, can't, are not allowed to eat the carbon Pesach. We only gave permission for those who are pure to eat the carbon Pesach that's impure. But not a person who's impure himself, he's not allowed to eat the carbon Pesach. And Rav says, no. A person who's impure himself could also eat the carbon. Once 
once the pure people are allowed to eat a sacred sacrifice that, that, that's impure, the Torah gives you permission, then even someone who's impure is also allowed to eat from, from the carbon. You don't have that quality that Taita says only someone who's pure is allowed to eat the carbon. That's according to Rav. Rav, right. Nafchita argues, argues. Taita says, according to the even in the case of the knife, the knife touching the corpse, you still have options. He's saying you have to minimize it. So he's saying you still have options. Who says you have to go inside the temple? which is a penalty of losing your life, having your life cut off, being in a state of impurity inside the temple. First, you can use a very long knife. You can stand outside the temple, <laughs> use a very long knife, and, and then shecht. Or you can have a handle of wood. Get a, get a knife that has a wooden handle, and, and then and it's no problem. I'm not touching the metal. Only the metal is like a corpse and could make the koyin who's shechting into a source of impurity. You have options. Taisa says no, not really. Because we're talking about, it's not one koyen shefting. We're talking about, we learned in one year they counted a million, two hundred thousand animals. Wow. Who has time to find knives? It's unprepared. The, the Nazi died, they're, they're impure, or whatever happened, or came in contact with the corpse. Who has time? Who has time to sit and start making wooden handles and finding wooden handles and standing outside and shefting? It's not, it's not something you could do in mass production. If it's one case, fine. But here's a mass production. So in this case, you just have to let them all go. And okay. we learn that What if it was half and half? There was no majority. The Mishnah discussed the majority. The majority are pure. Oh, very good. Half and half. 50-50 what do you do? so we have an argument half and half are treated like a majority Rav Kano argues and says no half and half we don't look at it as a majority so he explains so what happens? what do you do? What's, practically what do you do? You look at the half that's impure as if they're a majority. A majority overrides the prohibition of impurity and you can go ahead and offer, offer the sacrifice in the state of impurity. On the other hand, the pure, they are like a majority. So their majority, if their majority are pure, they can only offer the sacrifice in the state of purity. So therefore, you split half and half. <laughs> Half Democrat, half Republican, half are going to offer it in purity, half are half the pure ones and half the other ones. We'll do it in a state of impurity. No, Rav Kana says no. Rav says no. Half and half are not considered like majority. Therefore, what's practically what's the practical implication? What do you do? Those who are pure do the first pesach. You don't have roi tamer. You don't have a Reif Tameh. Not so because they, of Tar, you don't have Right, you don't have a Reif Tameh, so they do it in a state of purity. They have to do it in a state of purity. With Tameyin, and those who are impure, Eisen and Sasheni. The Torah doesn't allow you, it doesn't override impurity only if there's a majority. Since there's no majority, it doesn't override it. They have to wait for the second pace. Yigadamri, another version. Amar Avkan Avkan says, Mechza, Mechza, Enekeroiv. So therefore, what's the practical thing? What do you do practically? Tehidin, Eisen Sadish. Those who are pure, bring the first Pesach. We continue on side B. 
Utmeyin, those are impure. Einoisin, loyus adishin, veloyus asheni. They struck out. They can't bring the first Pesach and they can't bring the second Pesach. Mm-hmm. Why not? But additionally, after they can't do the first Pesach, the Torah only allows you if a majority, then it overrides impurity. They don't have a majority yet. In the second Pesach, they can't bring a second Pesach. Why in Pesach Sheni? Do they have a Miyuta? Because they're not a minority. Only, only when a majority brings the first Pesach, only then does the minority allow to bring. It says Ish. Ish means a minority. So only then, when there's a majority who brings the carbon Pesach the first time around, then the minority gets to, gets to make up for it in the second time around. Here you didn't have a majority. And so, so they are not a minority. So wait, so they, it's a tough luck. They don't bring a carbon Pesach that year. Everybody's tummy. Only, only when the, only when, when it was done properly originally. Only when a majority. Majority. Only when a majority brings it, the first Pesach, only then, ish, ish, yeah, in impurity, only then does a minority get to bring so it. So they did it in a state of impurity, yeah. then there's no Pesach Shani, those there's no, that missed out. There's no, out even here, if half, even half did it in a state, a state of impurity, a half impure, there's no Pesach Shani that year. That year there's no Pesach wow. Shani. Yeah. Okay, now the Gemara is going to question. Now we learn in our Mishnah, if the entire congregation became impure, or the majority of the congregation, or the congregation is pure, but the Kainim are impure, or majority of the Kainim. You do the carbon Pesach, you bring it in the state of Tum. So what do we see from the Mishnah? The Mishnah says clearly, only when the majority is impure, only then do you do it in a state of impurity. But you can deduce from that, I have a palga, palga, but if it's half and half, then according to the Mishnah, then the ones who are impure do not, it doesn't override. So Kashal Rav, it's a question of Rav. Rav said that the one, the half, it's impure, also gets the bringing. Even though they're not a, a, a majority, they're only half, we look at them like a majority and they get to bring the first Pesach. It overrides the hmm. prohibition of impurity. The mission states clearly not so. Only when there's a, a, a majority of impure, not half and half. So Hamalach Rav, Rav will answer you. That no, the mission is talking about the Reva Avdi But when there's a majority, then even those who are pure bring in the state of impurity. Like we don't divide, we don't separate. Right. But Palga, Palga, here we're talking about half and half, then it's different. Everyone, half that are pure, do it in the state of purity, and half that are impure, do it in the state of impurity. Mm-hmm. And the Gemara says, This makes sense, this explanation. Why? Because look at the end of the Mishnah. The Tani Seif, it says at the end of the Mishnah, If a minority of the congregation became impure, Those who are pure do the first Pesach. With Mayan and the minority So we can deduct from there, deduce from there, only when there's a minority or impure, only then do we have a Pesach Shani. But it's 50-50, then we don't push off to the second Pesach. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? Then they bring the first Pesach, like Rav said. And it shouldn't contradict the beginning of the Mishnah 
the beginning of the mission is talking about that everyone does it together. So that's only if it's a majority of impurity. Then everyone does it together, even the pure ones also do it in the state of impurity. But if it's 50-50, then there's no Pesach Sheini, but each one does it in their own, the 50% that are pure do it in the state of purity, and the 50% that are impure do it in the state of impurity. And so Rav, Rav, according to Rav, our mission is perfect. What about, you got 100 people, but the mother asked, but now it's difficult to have Kana. You just forced, he said, the Mishnah must mean exactly what Av was saying. Because the beginning of the Mishnah, the opening of the Mishnah, you deduce that only when do you have Pesach Sheikni, when do you override the first Pesach, only if there's a majority. Not a 50 50. But then the second half of the Mishnah says, when is there a Pesach Sheini? Only if there's a minority, not 50-50. So how do you explain Avkana? Avkana said that there's, even if there's 50-50, you, there's a second Pesach. Avkana will answer you. If they became impure, if the minority became impure, those who are pure, the majority, do the first Pesach. And the impure do the second Pesach. From the beginning of the Mishnah, this supports his opinion. 50-50, but in the, in the case of 50-50, there is no Pesach, like he said. On the contrary, this proves the beginning of the Mishnah proves his point. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he's explaining the second part of the mission. Second part of the mission. That that call then there's a Pesach Sheni, but it's fifty fifty, there is no Pesach Sheni. Period. That explain, that's what the Mishnah is saying. In the first half of the Mishnah, he's saying if there's 50-50, then, then there is a, then there is a, a Pesach Sheni. It doesn't override, it does not override the impurity. You can't bring 50-50, the 50% that's impure cannot bring the carbon Pesach in the first Pesach. It does not override the prohibition of bringing a sacrifice in a state of impurity. But they pushed off for the second Pesach, no problem. Uh, no, 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 no. But, but I'm saying that then. But the second part of the mission is telling me that in this case there is no pesach sheni at all. There is no pesach sheni. Not only don't they bring the first pesach, right. they don't even bring the second pesach. Mm-hmm. So Gemara says, okay, that makes sense according to the first version of Rav Khan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry. The According to the first version of Ravkana, who says, no, that there is a second Pesach. So how do you explain the second part of the Mishnah? It says only when there's a minority, only then do you do a second Pesach. Mm-hmm. But you can deduce from there, it's 50-50, there is no second Pesach. But Ravkana, according to the first version, says, no, they do a second Pesach. Even 50-50, you do a second Pesach. Michael Mema, Rav Kahn will explain. Really, the mission is not being specific. Even if it's 50 50, also the, 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 uh, there is a second pace for the, for the impure. Why does he say then only if it's a minority? 
Not to deduce into the, the doctor that it's 50-50, there is no Pesach. No. I did it on the Reisha. Ruva, since he's saying in the Reisha that only if the majority of the congregation is impure, only then does everyone bring it in a state of impurity. So, Tonanami Sefer, Miyute. So, therefore, he also says, in the, he reverse, he also says, uh, if a majority are, are, are pure and a, and a minority are impure. But he's not being specific. Talking about the Tanya, we learn number eyes. Tanya comes with the Rab. We learn the Braises supports the opinion of Rab that the half and half are considered like a majority, and each one does it separately. Tanya comes with the Rab Kana. We learn like Rab Kana. Ketreilish. We learn the Braises. Each each one supporting the different version of Rab Kana, whether. The, uh, the half that's impure is pushed off the second Pesach, or they're pushed off f- forever. There is no second Pesach that year. Tani, come on, say the Rabbi, learn the Bride, supporting the opinion of the Rabbi, it says in the Bride, you show Melch, to take the Messiah to me, and we're half and half, half pure, half impure. Hello, Lays and Latzman. Hello, Lays and Latzman. Each one does it separately. It's clearly, like Rabbi. There is no pace of Shani that year. But these are three brises. Yeah. So how, how is each one, how are they going to reconcile the other two brises? In other words, the other ones are going to try to say, instead of the other ones admitting, no one wants to admit that there's a three-way argument. Huh. Each one says his opinion that everyone holds, holds like his opinion. So how are they going to interpret the three brises to reconcile the three brises that should all be on the same page? So he says, According to Rav, and according to the second version of Rokhan, the Braise that says, it says in the, the Braise that they pushed off the second Pesach. According to Rav, no, they bring it the first Pesach. Each one, 50 brings it in a state of purity, the 50 bring it separately in a state of impurity, but everyone, everyone does it the first Pesach. There is no Pesach Sheni. According to Rav, there is also no Pesach Sheni. <laughs> there is no Pesach Sheni. Everyone does it in the first one. Separately, but if everyone takes care of it, according to the second version of Rav Kana, there is no Pesach Sheni period. They just lose out. They don't that year. No, they don't bring a carbon Pesach. Huh. So how do you explain? How would you explain the Brayso that says clearly there is a Pesach Sheni? So he answers. Kigoyin, for example, so Yisrael mechset tahoyin umechset meim. We have fifty fifty. But part of the 50 that were impure, it's not all men. The women, we count the women also. So the women, together with the women, it was, it was 50% impure. Because sovereign, this is a holds, there's an argument amongst the Tanoim whether women are obligated to bring a carbon pesa. According to everyone, they're not obligated to bring a second pesa. But the first pesa is an argument. So this Braisa holds, a women... Are exact, they're not really obligated to bring a first place. Therefore, dal If you remove the women from the count of the impure, have a and then you have a minority who are impure. 
That's why they're pushed off the second Pesach. The men are pushed off the second Pesach. The men are the only ones who are obligated. It, when he says 50, it was a wrong, it was a count, so when you're counting the women, but the women don't count in this case because they're not obligated. So the only true count are the men. So the men are minority, and therefore there is a Pesach, there is a second Pesach. So really, when we say, and, and according to Rav, or 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 Rav, Okay, fine. So that explains very well that price. Now we ask, Lerav, Olushan, Kamen, Rav Kahn, according to Rav, and the first version of Rav Kahn. How did Tanya, how did they explain the price? It says, Tehidonis, and Sedition, Tmenis, and Sedition, and Sedition, that there is no Pesach Sheni. According to Rav, what do you mean there's no Pesach Sheni? So firstly, according to Rav, everyone brings the first Pesach. According to the second, ver- the first version of Rav Kahn, uh, there is a Pesach Sheni. How do you explain that the, the pure do the only the pure do the first pesa? Mm-hmm. How would Rav explain that? And that the, and the impure don't do it all. Do it all. Right. So he says Rav will explain the It was 50-50. The women. There were more, with the women, there were more. There was a majority of impure. Mm. If you count the women, there wasn't half and half. Right. It was half and half men. Mm. But if you count the women, there's more impure than pure. The women were impure. Because sovereignly holds Nashim Badish and The first Pesach, he holds the opinion that women are obligated to bring a Paschal. Ubersheni, the second Pesach, according to everyone, is Rishus. It's only if they want, they could bring. Therefore, you, you can't override Shabbos for them because there's no obligation for them. So therefore, the, the first Pesach, those who are impure cannot bring, according to Rav, even though Rav says 50-50, then everyone brings the first Pesach, even those who are impure, they just do it separately. Here he says, no, in this case not, they can't bring. Why? Oh, oh, there was more women with the pure, you say. Yeah. Right, it was with the pure, there was, if you add the women, there's more pure than impure. So therefore, they're miyut, so you have to push them off to the second place. But a miyut leyavdi, a miyut leyavdi, a miyut leyavdi and those who are who are minority can bring the first pesach. But they, those minority who pushed off from the first pesach, are not allowed to bring the second pesach. You know why? Because dal nashiminayu. When it comes to the second pesach, you have to remove the count of the women. palga mm-hmm. palga. So it's fifty fifty men. Men were fifty exactly fifty fifty. Fifty, according to Rav, you know, there's no Pesach Sheni that year. Everyone has to bring the first. So therefore, they, they lose out. They can bring the first Pesach because if you count the women, and women are obligated, and they should be counted, included in the count. Therefore, there was a majority pure, the minority impure. The minority impure can bring the first Pesach. But they can't bring the second Pesach because when it comes to the second Pesach, you only count the men. It was 50-50. There's no Pesach Sheni. It's 50 men, 50-50. Well, Rav Kahan, how would Rav Kahan explain it? Do they, are they saying that they recount the Kahal by Pesach Shein and say how many people we have now? No, the original we count. Knew then yeah, yeah, the yeah. Okay. And Rav Kahan, according to the first version, who says you should bring, how do you explain the Brayse that there is no Pesach Sheini? Rav 
this explanation won't work going to because even though you have 50 men 50% men 50% women what's the problem according to Ravkana that they should bring the second Pesach even 50-50 so Ravkana will explain this is his and I will explain the Baraisi for example he is from it was 50-50 the men were 50-50 pure impure and the women the women make up the count of the 50 not they add, not they're more. There's exactly 50 with the women, there's 50 50. Because somebody else, Nashim Badishan the women Badishan are obligatory. So therefore, they're included in the count. So you have 50 50. So therefore, you push them off to the second place. Uh, so therefore, they can bring the first place. According to Afghan, you can bring the first place. 50 50 don't bring the first place. The impure don't bring the first place. Only if it's a majority of impure. Here, you don't have a majority of impure. With the women, you only have 50 impure. So they can bring the first place. So, traditionally, Avdi, Davli, Palga, 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 traditionally, Avdi. But they cannot bring the second Pesach either, even though 50 50 push off to the second Pesach. You know why? Because when it comes to the second Pesach, down Nashim and I, you have to remove the women, the count of the women, because the second Pesach is only the Shuz. And therefore, if you remove the women, then you had a majority. I'm saying, I'm saying, with the women, you had, you, had, you had 50% pure. So if you remove the women, then you had a majority that were impure. So they should have brought the first Pesach. When the majority are impure, there is no Pesach Sheni. There is no such thing as Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni is only if, if, you have, if you bring the first Pesach, if you have a majority pure, or at least 50% pure. According to him, even 50% pure, according to Rav Kahn. According to Rav, only if a majority is pure, is there a, a majority impure, is there a second Pesach. According to Rav Khan, even a 50% impure is a second Pesach. Here you don't have 50% impure. There was a majority of impurity. Because if you remove the women, then you have a majority of impurity. According to Rav Khan, we learn the Braise, the other Braise that says, that they show you so that's me, 50-50. According to both versions of Kana, it's not so. Only Rav says that. Rav Kana says there's no such thing. There's never, never do you bring the 50% that are pure and 50% that are impure, do you bring, both of them bring simultaneously in the base of Migdash, separately but together. How, how, do you, how, do you, how do you explain that? But I say, Rav Kana will say, yeah, you're right, I have no choice. I have to say, there is such a Tana, my opinion is not universal, but I follow the other two Braises. But this Braise I surely argue with. But the Rav will say, I go according to all three Braises. There is an opinion that Taka says a Mechza Mechza is considered like a Rav. And in that case, there is no Pesach Shein. Okay, we'll stop over here. Everyone have a wonderful day.